Welcome all to As For Me In My House. This is Pastor Brent, and I'm here again with my wife, Lauren. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And well, yeah, welcome to this time of discipleship in our homes and as one church. And um, again, we're sitting at our kitchen table. Uh, we hope you can pull up a chair, make yourself comfortable for the next little bit, maybe have a coffee or tea with you. Uh, I want to encourage you to have your Bibles open again as we're going to return in our study to Philippians and uh, perhaps also to have your study page in front of you. We are calling this study in Philippians, Finding Joy in Every Season. And wow, Lauren, I mean, we really are going to find that to be true in this particular passage that we've been studying this week. In, in this passage, um, we remember again the context um, as we get into Philippians 1, 1 through 8. Uh, there is Paul, the apostle. He is in a Roman uh, prison or house arrest. And what we find in these verses is this joy um, leaping off of the page. And, um, and this is a joy, uh, as in our study we'll see, that can also be um, in our hearts as well. You know, often we're not full of joy. Uh, we're full of other things, aren't we? Um, we're full of anxiety, uh, full of despondency, full of irritability, um, often not full of joy. I mean, I know this to be true in my own life. Uh, but what we're going to see today is that uh, this Apostle Paul has a fervent affection for God and for this church in Philippi. And it can be and ought to be also in the life of every Christian as well. So let's get into this study. And um, we're going to start actually back in uh, verse 1 at the end of it and just find a few more things that we didn't cover last week first that I think are important that we don't miss. Um, Paul continues that introduction in verse 1b. And, and, and you've noticed this week that he singled out two groups. It says there in verse 1, to all the saints in Christ Jesus with the overseers and deacons. It's interesting that Paul points to these two groups. He doesn't do that in his other epistles. Hmm. And, um, you know, again, the, the overseers, these are identified elsewhere in the New Testament as elders. You can find that in, in Titus 1, 5 through 9 and 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. And these overseers, they shepherd the flock by leading, teaching, guarding. And then also the deacons, they serve alongside the overseers. You can, we can learn all about them in 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. Um, deacon means servant. And, uh, you know, last week we looked at how we're all servants, right? For followers of Jesus, we're all servants. Absolutely. But deacons are, um, uh, you know, they are appointed Servants, they're they're faithful, qualified uh, leaders of ministries that 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 touch on many different areas of service in the church. You know, I love that word deacon. Actually, hmm. if you break it down, if you study the word, um, it actually means uh, thoroughly and and dust. <laughs> and there's this idea of like raising the dust, being dust kickers. Uh, these are people who are working, uh, you know, getting their hands dirty raising the dust, working hard behind the scenes. And uh, we're so thankful for all of our uh, deacons. We have them in our church who work behind the scenes. And so Paul points to these two groups, these overseers and these deacons. And I really think we should note this because 
we remember how this church began last week. Um, it was a it was a real humble beginning. There was a, this there was no church in Philippi, and through God's work, uh, a, a handful of people were saved. Uh, a businesswoman named Lydia, a slave girl, a jailer, some other converts, and this church formed. And now, a few years later, here's Paul writing to this church, and we should note that there are now uh, mature, qualified, faithful leaders that have emerged out of this out of this fellowship. And it really is just a testament to God's grace to uh, to take some to take something that's nothing hmm. and make it something, make it a church, and then to grow qualified leadership and to give it structure and to give it security. And that really is. Um, for the joy of God's people, that there be qualified leaders um, for every every congregation, for every fellowship. So quick application on this. Uh, you can never pray enough for your pastors and your deacons. I want to ask that you do that even this week. Lauren, let's go on next to the to this next part. Paul, um, he continues his his greeting. He has this salutation. And we, we, see, um, we see in verse 2, really Paul's heart of what he desires for everyone in this church. Maybe you can just share this next part here of what does Paul desire for the church? Yeah, Paul desires grace to the church and peace. You know, when I was just thinking back on what we, we think that we need most in our lives, Uh, Most of us would probably say to be delivered from life's problems, deliverance from situations or hardships. You know, most of us think that if our situation changes, then we'll be satisfied. But, But really, God is showing us something different here. You know, if we have a hard marriage, he's saying grace to you and peace. If we have job problems, grace and peace is what we need. If we have money problems or kid problems, it's grace and peace that we really need in those situations. Yeah, these words are just very, you know, we could very easily skim over them in that verse there. Uh, grace and peace, they're so familiar to us, perhaps in our, in our you know, usual church life. But that is absolutely right. Here's exactly what we need. And in this context, we should note the kind of grace that Paul is talking about. Uh, it, this is not... Um, Paul is not asking for them to have saving grace. We already know that that they are saints in Christ. That's been stated in verse 1. They've already been redeemed by God's saving grace. So this is a a, a different kind of grace. This is a strengthening kind of grace that God can give us. And also a peace. We know that these Christians have peace with God. Uh, They already possess this as saints in Christ Jesus, verse 1, the war with God is over and they are fully reconciled to God. So Paul is talking about a a kind of grace and a kind of peace that flows from God into the heart of a believer. And that can affect us in in everyday life and can bring the joy and the strength that we need. This is real. This is possible, which is why Paul is asking for it. But notice also the order Grace, then peace. Wherever God's grace is, peace results. Grace is the root. Uh, peace is the fruit. Hmm. And so, so we want to be, uh, that, that's what we need in our lives today. That's what you need at home. That's what I need today as I'm going to have to get through the rest of my day. 
Um, we need God's grace upon us, and it will produce his peace with us as well. Mm. Well, let's, let's go on now. Uh, we should also just note like, where this grace and peace comes from. Uh, what is the source? It's very important that we, that we know the source of this grace and peace. Yeah, the text says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we cannot find this empowering grace or this restful peace anywhere in the world, can we? It can only come from our God. It is having a real relationship with God, right? Real fellowship with the Father and the Son is the root reality. And if we are abiding in Christ, then the fruit of peace will be abundant. You know, so many of us search for peace elsewhere, don't we? Any, anyone who has struggled with anxiety and fear knows what the gift of peace is. Uh, but we can't find true and lasting peace from the world, not from medicine or alcohol or relationships or TV or entertainment. True peace, a heart fully at rest, is only possible from a real relationship with God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I just pray that we would all seek a closer walk with our God and experience the joys of his empowering grace and his abundant peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And, um, and with that, in, in verse 2 still, we, let's just also note the way that Paul phrases this. Uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we should see that this is a dual source these gifts flow from God the Father through God the Son. And uh, mm. this is a statement of the deity of Jesus. Mm. The Lord Jesus is on equal footing with God the Father here in that verse. And we also know that from so many other scriptures that the Holy Spirit works in our hearts mm. and applies that grace. So this is a Trinitarian blessing for the believer. Uh, this grace and peace comes from our triune God. And again, not from any other source. We look, boy, we look everywhere else. We turn over every other stone. Mm. But we need to be reminded today that the grace and the peace that we need is only going to come from from our triune God. Mm. And so Paul wants the best for this church. He is, he is um, asking for them the very best thing that they can have in their life today. And that is grace of God and, and more peace of God. And we're just going to continue to see Paul's heart for this church, how he has this, um, well, in fact, let me just ask that question. How does Paul feel about the Philippian Christians? And now we're going to look at Philippians uh, chapter 1, verses 3 to 8, as we kind of move on to this next big section. And it is a treasure chest mm. and, um, of, uh, of what Paul has to tell us, and I think very humbling as well. So let's look at this. How does Paul feel about the Philippian Christians? And, and again, Lauren and I have been discussing this at home. You're just uh, sitting in on our family devotions. And so, Lauren, maybe you can share a little bit of what um, you have, you know, some of the things that you reflected on this week that you've already shared with me. Yeah. Well, the first thing we see is this, this outward focus, this thankful heart. It's really amazing how outwardly focused Paul is. You know, he's, he's not under house arrest or in a jail cell grumbling and complaining, saying, woe is me. He is, he is not thinking of himself. He is remembering his brothers and sisters in the Lord. He's overflowing with thanksgiving. And you know, when we overflow with thanksgiving, it truly does result in our joy, right? Uh, but we see in, in these verses just a deep affection for these people. He was there to see the birth of this church 
You know, every single member went through a radical transformation and he saw it and he praised the Lord for it. And there's such a deep joy in seeing God work in someone's life, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about you, but when, when you get a front row seat and seeing God, God work in people's lives, it's just, it's amazing. You, you'll walk with people through struggles and tears, but when you see the grace of God finally become a reality in their hearts, it freeing them from guilt and shame and washing over them, delivering them from bondage, it's truly amazing. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it makes you love and praise God more. And I see that in Paul here. Right. And that, and so that's like all in, you know, first of all, in verse three, where he says, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. And, you know, here is a key to joy in the Christian life. Mm. When we, when we remember, when we look back and remember what has God done in the lives of people around me, people in my church. Yeah. Um, and so when we remember, uh, when we stop, uh, it can, it can cause this gratitude. Mm. And so Paul, that Paul is thankful. He has this thankful heart, and, uh, and 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 so let's let's move on here to verse four. He says, uh, "Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy." Yeah, you know, Paul is just overflowing with prayer for them. Um, just made me think about the more self-focused we are, the less joy that we have in our life, but the more God and others focused we are, the, the greater joy we will see. Um, and it just made me think of what causes me to, to overflow with, with prayer. You know, when I go through hard times, the first thing that I do is pull out my gratitude journal. Uh, it's helpful for me to dwell on the blessings around me when I'm going through hard times. And it helps me to, to keep my focus outward on God and others so that I don't lose that joy. And, you know, maybe this is something that, that others want to consider as well doing. Something that will help with our perspective is creating a gratitude journal, writing down the, the blessings that we see in our life. Again, Philippians is all about perspective, and this helps us with our perspective, uh, focusing on God's gifts and blessings and even the graces we see in other people's lives rather than on the tough circumstances Right. So, uh, you know, Paul, the secret to Paul's joy here again is there's a remembering, there's a, there's a thanking God and there's a praying, mm-hmm. um, a pray and, and praying for the, the people, you know, I don't know, you know, how often when we stop to have gratitude in our lives, do we first of all go to the things in our lives? You know, we're thankful for the roof over our home, uh, over our head and our homes and, thankful for our refrigerators that are probably full of food. And we should be thankful for all those things. We need to thank God for those things. But what we see here is that Paul is thanking the Lord for the people. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how often we stop and just th- you know, thank God for the people, um, the other believers in our lives, mm-hmm. um, the brothers and sisters in our church. Um, I don't do that enough. But I wonder you know, if, what would happen if we would stop to pray for the other uh, brothers and sisters in our church more regularly. Mm-hmm. And we would probably find that we have a lot to be thankful for um, with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, so this is what we see. Um, we see just this thankful, joyful, prayerful uh, spirit coming from Paul. But we also then come to verse 5. And what we see here is I think that now we really see kind of the the real unlocking 
to this joy? What was it that made Paul and this church have this affection for each other? Let me read verse 5, because Paul just gives, the, gives a, a clear reason now. He says, because of, of what? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This is the joy of partnership. And this is really something that we need to zero in on uh, for, for, for us in our lives and in our church. And so in what ways are Paul and the Philippians partners? Um, what, what do they have in common? I mean, Lauren, what do you think of when you hear the word uh, fellowship? Um, the, the first thing that comes to mind might be enjoying coffee together or a luncheon, um, but I know that's not the depth of what fellowship truly is, right? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, like, you know, it seems like that's what our fellowship, when we hear that word, we think of potluck, we think of a fellowship hall, mm. but this verse is just so much for us that there is a, there is a greater um, depth to what the kind of partnership and the kind of fellowship that Paul is talking about. Mm-hmm. And so what they, what they, you know, what, what does it mean to have a gospel partnership? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when you look at what they, they share in common, I, the first thing I saw, the gospel is the, the ground, the glue, and it is the goal so of the their fellowship. The gospel, the gospel is, it's the gospel that unites. Um, Let's say that again. We were talking about that. It's the ground, the glue, and, and the, the goal. goal of our fellowship. Yeah. Did you want to comment on that a little bit? No, me? Okay. Yeah. So the gospel is what unites us together. The gospel is what holds us together. And the gospel is the entire goal of, of our fellowship. You know, I was just reflecting on one of the greatest gifts that God has given us are, are spiritual friendships or others that are united to Christ and these, these relationships that will last into eternity. You know, there's a depth of joy in walking through life with others with the same passion for Christ and his purposes. There is a joy in using our time and our talent and our treasures together toward gospel purposes. And, you know, recently I was reminded that it's our relationship to other born-again Christians, that it's our relationship with other born-again Christians is deeper and stronger and more lasting than our relationship to even blood relatives who do not know the Lord. So there is this strong bond brought about by the gospel. Yeah, so this fervency of affection it really is rooted in the gospel, that they've been saved by Christ. Uh, they're serving Christ together. They're going to spread the message of mm-hmm. Christ together. And, and doing so in, in sacrificial ways. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, part of this letter of Philippians is Paul is thanking them for the financial gift that they've, that they've been given to support uh, his ministry. Um, they're, they're suffering alongside of each other. Mm-hmm. Paul is in, is in this prison and yet he knows this church has his back and they're caring for him. They're praying for one another. In chapter 1, verses 19, you can see there that Paul um, knows that this church is going to pray for him while he is in prison. He says, in, he says in verse 19, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Mm-hmm. So there is a laboring, there is a sacrificing together in the things of the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, our fellowship, um, it can certainly include uh, the meals and the cookies and teas. Uh, praise the Lord for that as well. But, but it's so much more than that. There's this laboring together uh, for, the, for the gospel. And, um, and, and you know, that, that needs to be maybe true in our lives right now as well. 
as again, we, as we think about how in this, in this time of this, um, you know, social distancing and this pandemic, um, you know, we, we are apart, you know, we're not really together mm. physically. And, and yet we have the opportunity to, to, to learn from this letter and to reflect the things that are being modeled for us. That there would still be a, a caring for one another mm-hmm. in, our, in our time of hardship. Um, that there would be a, a sense of even sacrificial giving mm-hmm. to the work of the ministry. Um, that we would suffer together through this time. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be really easy, I think, for people to check out mm-hmm. during this time as we're not meeting mm-hmm. on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. But this just might be a real test that the Lord is giving us to see, are we going to band together mm. in the gospel? Will, mm. will our fellowship be about our building? Mm. Will our fellowship be about the nice meals that we have? Mm. Or will our fellowship be far more? Mm-hmm. Will it be about um, sticking together, gluing together in the gospel, mm. um, even through these hard times? And so um, obviously we know that's what God wants for us. And let us be encouraged from this letter mm-hmm. to persevere in this way. Mm-hmm. And isn't it true, Lauren, that um, this actually then starts to shed some light on why sometimes our Christian fellowship can feel shallow? Um, I don't know if, I think we've sometimes felt that in our lives over different seasons of life. Uh, maybe you at home have, have sometimes felt that, 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 that Christian fellowship can sometimes feel shallow. And, and, and why is that? Does this verse maybe reflect a little bit of truth on that question. Yeah, I, th- I think when when fellowship becomes an end in itself, and it it's not working together towards a common mission, that it can become shallow. You know, I was just thinking of a sports team. Even when a, when a soccer team comes together, what brings them together is their common goal. They want to win that game, right? They work together towards that goal, and everyone is serving out of their strengths. You know, we can only have true fellowship if we are in the game working towards the common goal, fighting the good fight together, running the race together, and spurring one another on. You know, community cannot be just an end in itself. Um, A great quote came to mind from Dietrich Bonhoeffer about community. He said, people who love their dream of community will destroy community, but the people who love those around them will create community. You know, we don't just pursue community or our dream of community as an end in itself. We, we love God. We love others. This creates this depth of fellowship that we long for. And from that, we're united and energized to pursue God's kingdom mission together. Mm-hmm. So this, this partnership in the gospel is really about friendships that are rooted in the gospel mm-hmm. of Christ. It's really about Jesus. It's, it's rooted in um, gospel mission uh, sharing this Jesus with, with others. Uh, I, I really think that our fellowship can feel shallow. Um, when, we, when we kind of fall into this idea that we come to church as customers and not co-workers in the mm-hmm. gospel, if we're coming to cons- consume religious goods and services rather than to share Christ, um, we're going to fall into a shallow fellowship. Um, you know, when, 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 when the coffee is greater than the Great Commission, then, then we're in, in, in some dangerous territory. And so this is it, gospel friendships, gospel mission. I also think of, um, you know, maybe one great example is, is young people. I don't know, hopefully there's a few young people listening right now, some teenagers, young adults. Um, you know, a lot of us, we've, we've, we've worked at places like summer camp. 
And uh, you've had that experience where at the end of the summer, you didn't want to come home. You wanted to stay there. Well, why is that? And, and isn't it because you were uh, with those who love Jesus and you were serving Jesus together? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that really is a snapshot of what we need to be about as the church. I also think of short-term mission trips mm-hmm. and teams that come back together so bonded yeah. because they've been laboring in the mission of God together. Definitely. And so this is a picture of what we want to be. We want to ask God for this to make our fellowship a gospel partnership, mm-hmm. partnership in the things of the gospel. Mm-hmm. There's another thing that brings Paul joy, and that is, as we get to verse 6, he has a joyful anticipation you know, when that gospel partnership is, is happening, when it's clicking, when we're living in, in, in that way, um, there's something that we can anticipate, something that we can be assured of. And this is what we find in verse 6. Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Hmm. Now, I know this is one of those verses that gets slapped on a coffee mug, and we can <laughs> we can um, maybe lose some of the depth of what this is saying. Um, Lorna, let me turn it back to you. You were sharing with me what this verse, a uh, little bit of what, what this verse is really saying. Can Well, before I get there, you know, yeah. the, this verse is showing us that when God starts something, that, that he will finish it. Yeah. It says that he who began a good work in you will carry it onto completion. And I'm so thankful that God is not like me. That, you know, I start a lot of things, I get excited about a lot of ideas, I begin a lot of projects that I don't finish, and that never happens with God. He, is, he will always uh, finish what he starts. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, who, who is it that begins this good work? Um, the, the he is God. It, it's God, the Father. And he will bring it to a completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, there is a day coming when the Lord Jesus is coming back, when God is going to complete this good work. And what is this good work? It is our salvation. Mm. God is the author. He is the um, one who continues our salvation. He is the one that's going to complete it. In fact, perfect it at the day of Christ Jesus. And... Um, you know, this needs to be an encouragement to us. And, you know, I, I think about how it is that, that, um, that, that, that God does this work. He's continuing to work out our salvation. He's continuing mm-hmm. to sanctify us mm-hmm. um, until the day that we're glorified to be like Christ. Mm-hmm. And I was just so encouraged when I stumbled upon this verse in Luke twenty-two thirty-two. To think of how it is that God is continuing this work in us. And in Luke twenty-two thirty-two, we find this story where, where Jesus says to Peter, he says, Peter, I've, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Uh, just to think that the Lord Jesus is praying for us. Um, he, it's his prayers that is pouring his grace upon us for us to keep going in the faith, to keep growing um, until the day when the Lord returns and our, and our faith becomes sight and we're perfected in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just such a beautiful and encouraging verse. And thank you for those words too, to reflect on. Um, God, God started a work in us and he will, not, 
give up on us or abandon his work. You know, in my own life, I've had seasons of strong condemnation from the enemy about my past. You know, it comes in waves, uh, strong when I'm unsuspecting. It reminds me how Satan is called the accuser of the saints or the brethren. He, he wants to get us without our helmet on, our helmet of salvation. He wants to get us to doubt our salvation. But one of the most powerful things for me to do is to look back on how the Lord has started a good work in me and that he will not forsake me. I love the song before the throne of God above, which reminds me of this truth. There's a a verse that says, "When, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. So I, I remember in those times that I've been justified by the blood of Christ, I've been declared righteous and that God started this good work and that he will complete it. He will sanctify me and he will ultimately glorify me. I know that any desire I have to live for Christ and to fight sin is proof of his work in me because I didn't have that before I was saved These new affections and desires are proof of a new heart that he did begin a good work and that he will most definitely complete it. So there's a couple of reasons for joy right in this verse, just Mm -hmm. that that God is, again, he's, he's, you know, he's the author. He's working to perfect our faith and will perfect Mm -hmm. our faith. Um, So that's one thing. And then also just this idea that uh, the day of Christ Jesus, Mm -hmm. there's a day coming when the Lord Jesus will return and, and he will make all things right. Um, that, you know, whenever, whatever we're going through today, whatever, whatever trial we're pressing through in this day, uh, the Christian has this assurance, this anticipation that there is a day coming mm. that will be the best day that will make everything right. And that is certainly a cause, a cause for, for joy. But really in this verse, we also just see the Lord's affection for us. Mm. To think that we have a God that would um, rescue us, save us, sustain us, Mm -hmm. see us through to the very end. Um, You know, we've been talking today about having a fervent affection for the things of God and the people of God. Mm. But what about God's fervent affection for us? That that he would do this for us. You know, what do I deserve? What do you deserve? Mm. We deserve judgment. Mm-hmm. And we have a God that, um, that fin- begins and finishes our faith from A to Z, or Z, if we're in Canada. <laughs> and we are. So as we um, come to a close here, I'm just going to read verses 7 and 8. Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all. There is this fervent affection. Because I hold you in my heart, for you, all, you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. We want that to be our prayer. We want that to reflect our hearts. And so um, why don't we ask for God's grace upon us today to do that? Uh, let me pray. And would you pray this today and throughout the week as well? Let's bow in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the the wonderful things that we can learn from this passage of Scripture. As we go back to the beginning, we want to even think about our church's pastors and deacons and the 
those that are appointed to places of leadership. We thank you so much for them and their diligent service. Um, And so, God, we want to pray for them that you would give them grace and strength and your peace uh, to serve you well and to serve this congregation well. God, we want to pray for, um, we want to thank you for the people that we can all look to in our lives that have been a part of a a gospel fellowship. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the people that have poured into each of our lives, that have shown us more of who Jesus is and who have served with us in the things of Christ. We pray that we would have more of that kind of fellowship at Grace Baptist Church and in other parts of our lives. We pray that you would stir up in our hearts a greater zeal for Christ and his mission. And we want to pray, Lord, that you would now sustain your people. We thank you that you are the uh, originator of our faith, and we pray that you would sustain your people uh, to the end. We have this anticipation and assurance that you will fulfill your purpose for each child of God. And we say thank you today. Thank you for the joy that that can bring us today. We praise you for the good work that you have started and that you will finish. We want to ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. And I pray that the grace of God and the peace of God would be with us all now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to just thank you for joining us today uh, with, um, as for me and my house. And we hope and pray that you're going to continue on in the study and have great discussion at home with whoever you live with, whoever's in your house. And um, once again, the, the, the next PDF page will be put out Saturday morning. And we just want to say thank you for being a part of this. We hope that you're encouraged. And um, may the Lord bless you this day. Mm-hmm.